Welcome to the Manor. Welcome to the Twin Terrors, macabre manor of mead, metal, and mayhem. I'm James. And I'm Jody. And this time we're bringing you corpse paint. Oh. Yeah! I don't mean painting corpses, but that sounds like oh. fun too. Man. <laughs> Beats what Thompson does with corpses. Yeah. <laughs> see, you got my hopes up and then you dashed them and then you made me sick. Mission accomplished. We'll see you next time. <laughs> uh, so corpse paint used in rock and metal uh, specifically is what we're going to be talking about, although it's used in other things as well. But the, the white makeup with the black highlights that highlight the eyes or around the lips and stuff, and then they're supposed to make you look like a corpse. Hence, hence the name, you know, yes. corpse paint. Um, that makes sense. I, I, I thought so. I'm going to start back in 1956. And the person I'm going to mention did not wear corpse paint. You will see sometimes his name. If you do a search for corpse paint, you'll see his name pop up. But I've not been able to find any picture or indication that he actually wore it. Okay. And this person is Screamin' Jay Hawkins. Yes. Uh, born in Ohio, 1929. Passed away in 2000. Probably best known for I Put a Spell on You, released in 1956. So, yes. You know. uh, everybody's probably more familiar with uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival's version of it. Anyways, I prefer his to theirs. His is much um, better. And I, I like yeah. CCR, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, you probably know that too. It's been covered a ton of times. Tim Curry, Dr. Really? Frankenfurter has done a, a version of it, although it's it's much more smooth and gentle. <laughs> 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 although, fun fact, uh, Screaming Jay Hawkins actually was going to release it as a ballad first. The first time that it really got some exposure when he played it, uh, the band got rip-roaring drunk. And instead of doing it as a ballad, they did it the, the, the way that you typically hear, but with more grunting and groaning and stuff that, that they, they then took out because of the sexuality. <laughs> oh. I guess he got so tanked when they did that. He had to listen to a recording of that night to learn how to play it the way everybody wanted him to play it. That's then, funny. I did not know that. That's funny. <laughs> Alan Freed, the DJ. Back in the 50s, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he actually talked Screaming Jay Hawkins into, into sort of making a more theatrical thing, too. Um, so Screaming Jay Hawkins oh, okay. is, is a pioneer of shock rock. But as Alan Freed, yeah. he got him to come out of a coffin at the beginning of shows. Okay. Um, and he'd start wearing voodoo masks. So he did wear voodoo masks, just not yeah. face paint or corpse paint. One of, the, one of the things I really wish I could see or find is a video of him, because evidently there was a Henry, the smoking skull on his stick. <laughs> Yeah, and I've seen. I, I think I have seen pictures of Henry. I, I've seen pictures. I want a. I want a nice video. A video, yeah, that would be awesome. Oh well. <sighs> so, so Screamin' Jay Hawkins was one of the progenitors of shock rock. You know, not the first, but he did lend a macabre theatrical display to his performances, which inspired Screaming Lord Such, Third Earl of Harrow. And when I say that, that's because it's the name he made up. He was not a member of the peerage in England. <laughs> <laughs> David Edward Such took the name Screaming Lord Such from Screaming Jay Hawkins, yeah. and he did utilize face paint. He released Jack the Ripper in 1963, and on the album cover, or at least the you know as a vinyl, um, don't know if it's a single. I think it's a single for Jack the Ripper. Uh, he's got sort of spooky face paint on, huh. not corpse paint, kind of corpse. It's just supposed to be spooky, so it's more theatrical. Yeah, right. And, um, and oh, yeah, please go. Well, no, I was gonna. I can. I can add this in a little later. Okay. It deals with Screaming Lord such, but go ahead with, with what you were saying. Well, I'm wondering if this is what I'm going to say now, too. So uh, I was going to mention that he also took on the, the macabre theatrics. He did a coffin entrance as well. He actually got stuck in it once. <laughs> um, <laughs> Where have I seen that before? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Poor Derek Smalls. <laughs> 
Hey, oh, that's it. We should do an episode on Spinal Tap. We should. We're going to. <laughs> oh, oh, good. <laughs> Excellent. I get to be. I get to be side man on that one. Evidently. Excellent. Well, I don't know about that, but yeah. Well. <laughs> oh, okay. Fine. Whatever. Fucked it up. <laughs> Screaming Lord Such also uh, with the macabre. Yeah, he had knives, daggers, skulls, bodies all over the the stage um so you know he had the macabre thing going on too uh and this this is uh, what i'm guessing I, I would wager you're going to say uh, later in the 1980s he became the founder and leader of the official monster raving loony party and actually nope, tried to it. Oh, yeah, what do you know well in that case yeah so he <laughs> became the founder and, and leading member of the official monster raving loony party in england tried to get elected to parliament and for a while he was he still may be but i know for a while he had the record for the number of losses <laughs> elections yeah. and i guess <laughs> he tried to do either. it as, <laughs> yeah he tried to do it as a, a spoof on british political system but yeah was, to, to match with that real quick and then you can jump in we, we've mentioned monty python before in different episodes one mm-hmm. of the episodes of monty python they actually do a spoof of that but the spoof happened before the actual Screaming Lord Such, but I think it references something back in the 60s. But there's a skit where you have normal people who are standing and there's a guy dressed all weird, almost like a clown, up on the, the stage with all the other candidates looking really creepy. I, it's Michael Palin dressed up, but looking really creepy while I think John Cleese is, is giving the numbers. And I think it has to do with like the loony party. <laughs> and they're just reading it off. Uh, the conservatives, 80 votes, the progressive nine, loony party 12. <laughs> Awesome. Um, no, what I was going to mention was that Richie Blackmore from Deep Purple was in Screaming Lords such as band for a while. And that may be where Richie started to wear all the black clothing that he did. Because hmm. that was Richie's thing was he was known as the man in black, kind of like Johnny Cash. That, that may have been where that came from. I don't know. I'd never really seen why Richie was doing that. Could just be that he, like most metalheads, he likes black clothing. <laughs> so, like that that could be <laughs> yeah yeah but that was uh i i think he uh, let's see i i'm not sure when he was in uh screaming lord such as man but i i do know that he was in it for a while yeah actually um, i read and, that and played on a couple of recordings yeah i think i think keith moon um noel redding from the Jimi hendrix uh-huh. uh I, I think they were both on there i want to say even no, no, Screaming Jay Hawkins, I think, who played with, uh, yeah, Screaming Jay Hawkins played with like Jimmy Page and and a lot of the guys from that era. But yeah, um, Screaming Lord Such had Keith Moon and 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 Richie Blackmore and God, I knew like another half a dozen two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh well, we're not doing all the research. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh. Wait, why are we listening to you then? <laughs> Moving on, unless you had more about Screaming Lord Such. Uh, no, no, I think that was it. All right. Um, so then after Screaming Lord Such comes, dun, 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 Arthur Brown, who released the mad, mad world of Arthur Brown. And Arthur Brown is also an Englishman from Yorkshire, also a pioneer of shock rock. Uh, he's born in 42 and uh, released the crazy world of Arthur Brown in 68, on which he okay. does a version of I Put a Spell on You. And his biggest hit was Fire. Is it the same one Hendrix did? I think so. Yes. Ah, well, then there's another connection coming up here, and I will wait for you to mention another artist. Okay, then. Um, so that's his biggest <laughs> hit is Fire. Uh, also, because of that, he's known as the God of Hellfire. But he oh, also, cool. yeah, and because of how he'd scream and say fire and stuff. Uh, but but he also wore face paint, but not corpse paint yet. We're kind of getting to that. Um, so there's sort of a lead yes. up to the actual corpse paint. 
In 1970, uh huh. <laughs> if I were to say 1970, who would you think I'd talk about? Vincent Bernier. <laughs> Yay, Vincent! <laughs> So, in September 8, 1970, and though, of course, this is coming from Dennis Dunaway, who was the bass player in the Alice Cooper band. And when I say Alice yes. Cooper band, it's the band Alice Cooper, not the singer Alice Cooper, because before there's the singer Alice Cooper, which is, who Jody just mentioned, there Vincent was a band. Bernier. Yes. yes. I, I always say Vincent Wright, and I always screw up his last name. <laughs> I, I think I'm saying it right, and that's only because I've actually heard him pronounce it. So, and I, that's what I remember hearing on the DVD. So, I believe you. Uh, Dennis Dunaway is a bass player and actually wrote I'm 18 and School's Out. So, you know, some of Alice's biggest hits when it was the band, but still Alice plays them. Uh, September 8, 1970, big return to Maxis, Kansas City in New York, New York. Uh, it was a bar, a club of uh, musicians, poets, a lot of people played there. Uh, William S. Burroughs was okay. somebody who went there a lot, and you'll hear us talk about him sometime. Uh, glam rock scene, really big there. Uh, so they go, they're in the hotel, they're going to be playing at this place, uh, but they're in a hotel, and they go up, and Dennis Dunaway looks out, out of his window. He sees at the uh, City Center Theater a clown poster, but this clown poster is creepy as hell. It's got this, like, white paint and this spidery makeup and he thinks holy crap hey vincent come check this out vincent's like oh yeah whatever he's like no man come here he goes oh that's great and that doesn't look so dennis actually goes down and takes a better look and he convinces alice to look and they're like holy crap that's awesome <laughs> oh no he doesn't he he goes down and he sees it he gets a playbill and takes it up and puts ah. it in vincent's hands <laughs> and says look and then vincent who we know is alice goes oh this is great so they, they, go, they go and buy 43 cents worth of eyeliner at a nearby uh, drugstore and come back up. And some of the other band members were talking about already having eyeliner due to their sexual preferences. They had makeup. Uh, you know, this being yeah. the 1970s, it wasn't near as open. But evidently, everybody in the band right. was cool. Without going deep into it, hey, whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and actually, I didn't. Because what I've seen is the, uh, the documentary Super Duper Alice Cooper. Alice actually doesn't talk about this. They do interview Dennis a little bit in that. And I, they didn't, they don't mention the story, but Dennis's autobiography is one of the ones I want to pick up that I have not yet. I found this interview um, when I was doing research and this was an interview he gave when he was promoting his book, but he talked yeah. about this specific scene in the interview while he was out interviewing for the book. So it's, I'm sure it's in the book too. Probably. Yeah. But anyway, that is the, beginnings of Alice Cooper wearing his things. And, and one of the things they did it for was not just because it was spooky, but that was part of it. But they also realized that then the people in the back rows would be able to see much better because it, you know, that sort of thing does make your eyes pop out and it's very noticeable that anybody who's been on stage, oh, yeah. you, wear, you wear makeup, you know, typically it's just really hard foundation and, and lipstick and, and eyeshadow, no matter what sort of gender or role you're playing, but because um, the lights really wash you out. But yeah, they thought this would be kind of kick-ass. Yeah, and when you get to the next one, I've got something to interject on that about the, making the eyes stand out more. Neat. So I'm just waiting for you to go on to the next one. <laughs> if I were to say, hey, Jody, if I were to say 1973 in conjunction with some sort of face paint music, what would you say? Uh, 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 hey, fuck I'm, off. I'm, <laughs> I'm drawing this out on purpose. Um, yes. I would say kiss. I would say you're right. And th the reason I told him to fuck off is you, you may know this by now, depending on how we do these episodes. Jody's one of the biggest kiss fans I have ever known. <laughs> so 
I mean, what, when we met each other in high school, I'd go over to his house, we'd jam. Uh, his dad was a musician too, that little room that you could sit in and, and play music once they cleaned it out. But Jody had posters of Kiss on the wall. Although, well, it wasn't just Kiss, but yeah, I think the biggest ones were. There, there's one specific wall that had the four main Kiss members in each individual poster with sort of their, you know, you got the Catman, Spaceman, but the posters reflected their various characters quite well. Oh, the the big long one? Yep. That was actually four separate posters that connected together. Each one of those posters were included in their individual solo albums when they were when they released them in uh, 1978. You probably told me that, and I just don't remember. Probably, and probably. <laughs> so, the first show Kiss played so, was, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm just going to keep going now. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No, that's fine. January 30th, 1973, at the Popcorn Club in Queens, New York, where they outnumbered their audience, four members to three in the audience. Yep. <laughs> no face paint. <laughs> then, uh, well, I think they were wearing makeup, but not the face paint. Um, the earliest picture that... I have or pictures that I have seen of them. They not musically influenced, but the image wise, they, they started off by emulating what the New York dolls were doing. They were wearing makeup, just not face paint. I, I mean, they let's put it this way. Ace looked like Lily Tomlin. <laughs> and I know that this picture I saw of them with, with makeup and frilly shirts because, you know, it was glam kind of androgynous kind of thing. As opposed to the New York Dolls, who were in drag, <laughs> but it was it was kind of a takeoff on that originally, and it grew out of that. So yeah, I'm pretty sure that first show, if I remember right, they were actually they weren't wearing what we think of now as their makeup, but they were wearing makeup. Makeup. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I suppose yeah, when I say yeah. then when they played the Daisy in Amityville, New York, ooh, Amityville, ooh, on, <laughs> on March 9th and 10th in '73, when I say they were wearing their makeup. They were wearing their makeup. Their yeah, what you know. They, yeah, that yeah, that should it should have been an early form of what we think of now as the the four characters makeup. Although probably still in rough form. Actually, I think uh, there's a book called uh, Kiss Alive Forever: The Complete Touring History, and it goes up through what was supposed to be the farewell tour. And they've got pictures from all the way back in the club days, and I think there's a picture from the Daisy. Nice. And and James is not kidding when he said that first show at the Popcorn Club was the four band members to three audience members. I I think that's pretty much right. <laughs> Poor and, from, from what I've read in that book, yeah. But, I, well, you know, I mean, look where they're at now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Got to start somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, going along, going staying on the Kiss thing, I'm going to interject this real quick because what you were saying about what Alice – the, the guys in Alice Cooper found was that it was easier for people in the farther out in the audience to see facial features that made the eyes pop out more. I was lucky enough to see Kiss a couple of times in the original makeup era. I, I was six the first time I saw them in 1979 on uh, the, the original lineups last tour together before the reunion tour in 96. I saw them January 1st, 1983 during Creatures of the Night tour, which was Eric Carr's first U.S. tour with the band and the last tour they did in makeup until the reunion tour. I, I, I don't remember it so much at 79, but I remember it definitely in 83 when, when my dad took me to go see him then when Gene in full makeup would look at you from the stage or would look in the section of the seats where you were sitting. It, <laughs> it for a nine year old kid, it was kind of like he was 
looking into your soul it would i mean it was yeah i didn't have that with paul or anybody else in the band but when gene looked at where we were sitting it was like oh my god he's gonna come up here and eat us you know it was and it was awesome because i was a huge fan of the band but it just it it was kind of creepy you know (laughs) so yeah the the, it, it not only can make the eyes pop out a little bit more but certain designs can really freak you the hell out yeah <laughs> so so right we're, so we're still not the corpse paint yet right now it's no. theatrical yeah. kiss was yeah. doing it because they had character they i mean they did it for a stage show for personas they had their yeah. characters and and so you know it gave the audience it <laughs> obviously either a wonderful or scary ass <laughs> time that was still wonderful <laughs> um i know gene said when he the first like when he would put on his makeup the first time it was a stream of consciousness where he was just putting it on and that's kind of what came out yeah. for, for all my bashing of gene i love gene i love their music his marketing skills are to die for but that's because his ego's as big as well amityville new york <laughs> you you were being kinder on the ego thing but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was gonna go a bit bigger and i, and I know <laughs> paul like the world <laughs> and paul talked about the stones and the beatles they had their look and you knew who yeah. they were they wanted to look for for themselves too you know they had yeah but a step further it wasn't necessarily for anonymity because he's talking about you know when you see this guy with big frizzy hair walking down the street there's only so many people it can be you know yeah with makeup <laughs> or not you may have an idea who it is <laughs> uh next next up ken uh, bendix peterson born 1956 in denmark better known as uh-huh. king diamond it started with black rose in late, uh, late 1970s but probably better known for the band merciful fate uh started in mm-hmm. 1981 lasted till 85 their first run and that's when he was with them they broke up for a while after he left gene simmons from kiss tried to sue him over the makeup see and there, gene didn't win that <laughs> okay see we should do an episode on gene's failure to sue people for things that he did not start first but wants to take credit for because i can think of three things now so, so king diamond was was next and obviously gene took a front to it I guess, because, you know, yeah. he, thought he had it first, even though we've already mentioned several other people that started first. Not only was King Diamond next, his was a little different in the fact that his makeup and his lyrics and songs were satanic. Overtly. Overtly satanic. And, and that they were, Merciful Fate was in the first wave of black metal. Yeah. So we're going to kind of end up here now. And now, Corpse Paint. <laughs> per Olin, per dead Olin, when by dead, is considered the first to actually wear corpse paint he wore the makeup the white foundation the black around the eyes and the lips and everything and he did it not just for theatrics not just to be all satanic and evil but he wore it to look like a corpse yeah the band mayhem you know Mm -hmm. true norwegian black metal and norwegian black metal is very much known for the people wearing corpse paint now or for burning down churches whichever one you want to remember them for so i have a (laughs) train of thought that goes to that (laughs) Uh, so let me see if I have this. I really want to get off of that topic. Uh, it'll be quick. Okay. <laughs> so, per, per Dead was in the band Mayhem. Started in mid mid eighties uh, till early nineties. When he committed suicide, I, they reformed and they're they're out now again. But yeah, they reformed like back in the nineties. But they they quit a while. But uh, Dead committed suicide, slit his wrists, and then took a shotgun to his head. And supposedly his bandmate Ronimus. Yes. found him first he was the one that found him yeah found him made brain stew and made a necklace out of the skull fragments 
Yep. And he himself was murdered by Varg Vikernus, who supposedly burned churches. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I, well, I'm not going to get into <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a completely I'm different. Not, I'm not really going. Um, yeah, that's it. It, it is. I, I just I wanted to say that I I have found that out of because because we 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 discussed our kind of sort of religious views a little bit in another episode or mentioned them briefly. Not being what you would call Christian by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> I I do find that churches in Sweden and Norway. I, I love their architecture. Really, am disappointed that some of these guys, particularly Mark, who I think did the most of it, found that they had to do it. I do understand a little bit of their reasoning, not personally, but I've I love the architecture in those churches, and I don't. I'm just kind of like, damn it, couldn't you just left them alone? Yeah, I get that. I think some churches have amazing architect. They're beautiful and yeah, and holy and serene in their their own way, whether you believe in their religion or not. Moving on, uh, yeah. so I mentioned Norwegian black metal kind of synonymous now where you have Norwegian black metal and you have corpse paint, you know, yes. you've got dark throne, you've got a mortal, a bath. Speaking, yeah. I was going to say, speaking of a mortal and a bath, a bath did say, and, and I know he's, you said dead was the one that first did it, but a bath said that he was inspired by, I'm going to go back to this. Can you guess, can you guess where I'm going? I'll just say it. He was inspired by Gene Simmons face paint. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. <laughs> Oh, I was going to guess Kiss if I had to guess. I didn't know it's Gene specifically. Yeah, no, he, uh, Abath is, he is a big Kiss fan. That was partially what inspired him to, to do the, the, the corpse paint. Well, um, I can see that. I, I think mean, it had a lot to, I think it had a lot to do with the particular design that he uses, even yeah. though it doesn't look anything like Gene's. <laughs> um, I guess to finish this up, we got a couple extra things. Mm -hmm. But now when you see it, you see it a lot with the, the Norwegian the, the true Norwegian black metal, as opposed to yeah. true Scottish pirate metal. Yeah. Another episode. <laughs> you, you also see the influence on other parts of entertainment. Well, I guess I should go back. First, musically, you've got the Damned and the Misfits. Uh, and, and you've got various other, you've got punk bands who also wore stage theatrical makeup, like sometimes yes. with the white foundation and the black overlay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah not, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, the, yeah, the Misfits, definitely. You've also got Sting in professional wrestling who bases his makeup off the crow which when you think about it is truly corpse paint because the guy comes back from the dead so you know you've, you've got a you know it's kind of expanded a bit now yeah. my question to jody i gave him a heads up before yeah. we started recording but i didn't tell him what it was oh, yeah. oh well you know what <laughs> hold on real quick before i get to this because yes this will throw okay. us off uh you've also got rob zombie yeah i mean the corpse paint there includes blood i guess guess more like zombie paint huh yeah. uh, um <laughs> Gore doesn't do corpse paint, but it's they an extension. Masks. Yeah, yeah masks. They, do, they do masks. Spooky. Um, there was yeah, there there was a band from Japan in the mid '80s, um, Ezo or Ezo. I'm not. I was never sure on what, how it was pronounced, and I have actually heard it pronounced both ways. Um, they also did more of the theatrical Kiss style makeup. I, I didn't listen to him a whole lot. I heard him a few times. I wasn't really that into him. Uh, our, our friend Greg was into him. He he listened to him a little bit. Huh, neat. So, but he was he was into a lot of stuff. So it's <laughs> no, not just music. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the band Max Sabbath? Max Sabbath. Yes, I have. <laughs> so Max Sabbath. I know what you're talking about. For those who don't know who it is, it's a band who takes Black Sabbath songs and turns them into food. And the lead singer, so is like a black metal Ronald McDonald. Yeah. 
So there's where the corpse paint thing kind of comes in. So he's got the clown. So it's got the red and the white, like Ronald McDonald, the McDonald's yeah. fast food chain. Yeah, it's it's more creepy and scary. And and the drummer is a cross between the Hamburglar and Peter Chris. <laughs> oh, what's Grimace's name? Gr- oh, shit. Well, you've got a Grimace and a Mayor McCheeseburger type of characters too, but Grimace is very spooky looking and Mayor McCheese has big old tusks coming out of his hamburger face. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, the Ronald McDonald lead singer, and that's not what he, I forget the character name, but it's corpse painty. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard any of their stuff, but I've, I've seen, I've heard you know, of them, I've seen pictures. It's not bad. I listened to a few songs just because I had to, and they make really good food-themed Black Sabbath covers. <laughs> if if you can handle that without out. getting pissed off. <laughs> now my question. Okay. So we have corpse paint. We have theatrical yes. paint. I mean, we've talked about yes. Arthur Brown and Alice Cooper and Kiss. And so it doesn't have to be corpse paint. It can just be paint that pops. And uh-huh. Alice Cooper's was based off of a clown. We talked about uh-huh. Max Sabbath, who's based off a clown. Uh, How do you feel about Juggalos and the Insane Clown Posse? Where would you put them in with the face painting? I'm not going to ask you how you feel about their music. That would be a big tangent. How do I feel about their face painting? Like, where do you think it fits in? Does it fit in with this same theme? Uh, I don't. Maybe. And, I, and I, I'm saying it because I don't. My knowledge of that subject is very limited intentionally because I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah. I, as far as them as a band and their fan base. No, well, I mean, I, I, get, I, I get having that level of fandom for, for something, especially a band. They don't appeal to me as a band. I I haven't really given it much thought. I my understanding is again that they were big Kiss fans, and that's what prompted them to start doing this. I could be wrong on that, um, but I did know somebody who was a big—I won't say big—but he was a fan. He didn't have a tattoo like a lot of the Juggalos do, but he at at different sci-fi and fantasy conventions that he would go to, or that he and I would both be at, um, he had been known from time to time to do. ICP makeup and walk around. I don't know why they went twisted clown like they did, but see, and that's, that's the only thing I think it doesn't quite fit in. It's so it's twisted clown, but it's still clown. It's not horror themed clown. Mostly I I guess kiss is sort of (laughs) a in between, although jeans horror. and yeah, it depends on where you like clowns, but they're, yeah, it's not macabre. It's not macabre. It's not creepy. It's unless you don't like clowns. So, So, so I think it fits but not perfect like most yeah. of the others do. I was going to say, when you were doing research and you, you're researching the stuff on KISS, did, did you see any of the comments that, or any of the things they said about when they showed up to do the photo session for their first album cover? Yes, but I figured that would be something <laughs> on a KISS. <laughs> well, no, because it fits in with what you're talking about now. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> so they, they show up to do the, first, the photo shoot for the first album cover at the photographer's studio, and he had been the photographer had been told by the band's manager they were going to wear face paint kind of like what clowns do so the guy thought they were going to come in dressed up like clowns so he had all these balloons and stuff for for a clown photo shoot <laughs> <laughs> and, and they walked in and they've got the leather and the studs and the black and white face paint you know to put on and, and they're like what the hell is this shit <laughs> i gotta love it anyway yeah. yeah. So, so moving on to finish up, I, I understand I've skipped over people with face and makeup like Twisted Sister and, and that, but that's, that'll be a glam metal episode. Yeah. Uh, but to finish up, some of you may be thinking, 
that, well, you're talking about Alice Cooper, you're talking about that creepy clown, you're talking about these things. You know where they came from, right? And yes, there's a fairly direct line, even though Alice Cooper may not, you know, it, he had to be convinced to do it. But that creepy clown would be a modern day representation of the Grand Guignol, means Theodore the Great Puppet, from what I've been able to find in, in French, which was a uh, horror-themed, horror macabre theater, actual theater in, in France, uh, ran from 1897 to 1962. So yes, they're, they're, back then, if you've ever seen Interview with the Vampire with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise, yeah. at, at the end, where Brad Pitt and, and Cla- where uh, Louis and Claudia are with all the vampires, and that, that's sort of a Grand Guignol type of thing, a very macabre, horrorish, creepy theater experience yeah uh the uh the scenes with antonio banderas that yeah yep yeah yeah where where brad pitt cuts a, the other vampire in half with a side yeah <laughs> that's a great scene, yeah, that's a good scene. <laughs> um, so yeah so that, that's kind of the grand guignol so we get that you know it started this is not a new thing so we talk about this it's context context hold on gotta drink context <laughs> okay um it's, it's, it's and everything flows. It's, things don't just jump up. You have the Grand Guignol back in 18, you know, the turn of 1900, so turn of the 20th century back in France, and then people are still doing similar things to this day, and it's not like things were happening before the Grand Guignol either. So it's, it's a continuum. Do you have any closing remarks? No. no all right, no. then. <laughs> then we will let you all go, and we will see you next time. I'm James. And I'm Jody. <laughs> Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. It's weird shit. <laughs> oh, excuse me, Duchess. I like my Medal of Guard. <laughs> uh, I opened up that other thing of barley wine, and I haven't started yet, but I'm going to. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. I hear people sometimes talking about how you're part of the cog and the machinery and everything, but I still like to think the machinery is better than all of us having to work 16 hours out in the field just to, to make a substance, substance living, trying to oh, pay yeah. your family. So. Definitely. Yes. I don't always feel like going to work, but then I think, eh, beat starving. Oh, yeah. You were going to mention Alice Cooper. I am. I have okay. my house in the wrong spot, so I'm going to take that out. <laughs> Say, ah, 1973. <laughs> Maybe I will leave that other bit in there. <laughs> <laughs> if I start getting a little tipsy soon, uh-huh. I'm working on that second bullet of the barley one I mentioned in a previous episode that may not have come out yet. Um, <laughs> this one is the oak aged. It's, it was aged on oak chips. Uh, I just remember being a good Catholic boy being freaked out for me. What, avant garde? Is that what you were going <laughs> to No, I was going to say they sucked, Duchess. <laughs> Bastard. Okay. Who's also in the band? Because I just said bandmate. See, that's how much I've now been drinking. There are no sacred cows to me. The sacred cows make the best hamburgers. Sounds good to me. All right, then, then you can talk while I put the pint to my face. There you go. <laughs>